Hey everyone, two episodes left of something new every week. I want to begin this episode by uh, lots of thanks going on. Uh, you know, this is the time of year where we're thankful for things and we want to look back and uh, look at the year, crazy one that we've had. But I want to thank Millers once again. This has been a gift for me this year as we head into episode number 43, which is crazy. Uh, two weeks ago, I decided I wanted to start wishing everybody a happy birthday because I love birthdays. And I get up every morning and I try and wish all of my friends a happy birthday on Facebook. I thought this was a more personal way of thanking people and then just tagging them on Facebook and just, you know, just another, you know, birthdays are great. This is a, you know, time when we want to thank our, you know, our friends and, 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 you know, we want to celebrate them. So this is my way of celebrating you guys. Some of you I've never met. I have 5,000 Facebook friends. I'm grateful for that. Uh, I have some amazing friends. You're all amazing. And uh, happy birthday. This is your birthday week. So uh, today's a Tuesday. Today's birthdays are Tommy Go, Nadia Dara Diskovets, Vicky Bell, Dan Cuny, Brooke Heckey, Holly Williams Ehrlich, Candice Kusick, Will, Will, Willie Vargas, Joseph Polichevich, I think I've got your name. Joe, I think I've got your name. But happy birthday, dude. Uh, it's been a long time. You are always a shining light and po- of positivity. Happy birthday, dude. Jose Ortiz, dude, it's been a long time. Miss you, buddy. Jenny, Janelli Gen- Silva, Owen Giang, Allison Carlino, Adrian Rundelli, Michael Miller, old New Jersey friend. Hope you're doing well, dude. Christian Portolari, Casey Orr, Ali Anderson, Darlene Rowe, Takatsubaki, Mario Herrera, Jen Mooney, Ayuob, Ben Amore, Vladimir Duthiers. I graduated high school with this guy. You see him every day, every day on the news and, and the CBS Morning News. Dude, you're crushing it. I'm really proud of you. Uh, keep up the great work. Uh, it's an inspiration to see you on the TV every morning and uh, your positivity shines through. Well done, boot dude. Patricia Alexander. Hesuyin Yadirim, William Chang, Brian Fox, Victor Tong, Glenn Clark. We need to catch up, dude. It's been a long time. Cass Martinez, Stefan Melaman, Presh Chavda, Michael Clark, Robin Langsdorf, another New York City photographer friend of mine, Mark Eric, Darla Statler, Letitia Franco, Jeff Askoff, Jason Jablonski, Ellen Wolf, in Chacon Funis, Michael Ramos, dude, I hope you're doing well. It's been a long time. Johnny Macajani, Michelle Gilders, Ben Hartley. No, your birthday is coming up next week. I, I'm taking your birthday back. <laughs> anyway, happy birthday to those guys. These are your birthdays this week. Let's move on to this week's episode of Something New Every Week, episode number 43. Thank you guys for listening. Happy birthday to those people's whose birthdays are this week. And let's go to episode number 43 of Something New Every Week. Hey there, and welcome to Something New Every Week with your host, me, Jason Group. Each week, I'm going to give you something new every week, or snooze for short, from our friends in the community. I think you'll find these conversations super informational, as well as fun to listen to. Snooze are about what's new in my guest's photography world, and how they're implementing it in their business. From pitching new clients, to learning about products that are selling, each guest will share what's hot in their business right now. This week's episode is sponsored by Miller's Lab. Miller's Professional Imaging is the largest professional lab organization in the United States. They provide professional prints and press products for professional photographers in all 50 states and Canada. Here we are, another episode of Something New Every Week, or Snooze for short, with my good friend Frank Carino from California. Southern California, to be exact. Frank, say hello. How you doing? Hello, everybody. Thank you for being on. It's been a long being on here this week, and uh, I'm uh, I'm on marathon marathon podcast recording today because it's Thanksgiving week here when we're recording this, and everybody seems to be slowing down a little bit. So I'm taking advantage of all of you. I think this is podcast recording number five. But um, and my son was like, "Are you going back in again? <laughs> like I'm going into war or something <laughs> like that." Anyway, um, Frank, thanks for being on here. And uh, and uh, first off, I'm just going to ask because I'm going to be really jealous. How's the weather in Southern California today? Uh, it's it's actually clearing a little bit. So it was it was a brisk 69 earlier. So you know, <laughs> a little bit. I'm wearing long sleeves because I'm Californian, oh, and 69 is like my my edge of discomfort zones. Like maybe I should you know put on pants instead of shorts today. Kind of <laughs> 
I say, and I keep in touch with your travels via you. You always uh, post pictures on your bike rides, and and I swear, like I can smell the salt water in your photos, and and every time I see it, I'm like, oh god, I sh- I miss the ocean so much. You know, living here in the Midwest now, I never realized how much I would miss 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 it. I don't I don't know why. And it's crazy. It's like you know, I lived in Austin for a few years. And we moved back to Southern California. It's been a couple of years now, and it was like that was kind of what you're talking about, like the instant thing. It's like I don't go to the beach to hang out at the beach very often. Yeah. Um, but you know, the family does. They they like to go to the beach. They're from the Midwest, so the beach for them is like you know really spectacular. Yeah. But the views of the beach and and just driving by it, or you know, we went the other day, shot some photos at the beach, and. Uh, Stop to get the cheeseburger. I'm looking over, look the cliffs, and you know, Shake Shack is there on Coast <laughs> Highway, and you're like, you know what? This is why you live here, right? It's like this is the life. Yeah, and you, you trade off all the traffic and all the people, and I don't miss all the people. I don't miss the traffic, especially Southern California traffic for sure. So you're from New York. You talk about traffic. <laughs> yeah, no, but there's the, the L.A. traffic and Southern California traffic is next level. Like, it, it, you know, you have options in the New York area via uh, public transportation. And I know there's some in California, but everybody just gets in their car and they just say, OK, you live where and I need to get there. And you just say, all right, well, I'm just going to need to take those two hours to go. And, and you're so used to it and you don't really think about it. I, I don't think I could do it. Yeah, well, I'm in Orange County now, so I do a bunch of jobs up in L.A. Anytime I do an L.A. job, um, there are days where it's two and a half hours oh my gosh, to, to get up there. 20 miles. Yeah, and so literally what I've done is just say, all right, you know what? I'm going to spend the night somewhere because it's four-hour round trip. And it's like if you got – like I shot a video sequence last year where we did 10 days in a row, and it was two and a half hours yeah. each day. And each at day. The, at, by the time I realized – when the week was the first week was up, I realized, wow, I've spent literally a full day of time in five days. I spent a full day of time traveling back and forth. It's like how yeah. much work I accomplished or even just relaxing. Yeah. Like you leave at five o'clock, you know what it's like. It's like I'm going down to Orange County is two and a half hours. Right. You're already tired. You've worked all day. Right. And it becomes a 10, 12 hour day, but you only worked for six or seven hours. Right. It's just travel and it's brutal. And yeah. you, you get into a little bit of a zone with traffic, listen you to do. the radio. There's a certain mindset that comes with it. But yeah, that part's always, always yeah. a shock. You, right. you can listen to lots of podcasts and you do have your own personal space, which is nice, other than the stinky subways and the trains that I used to have to deal with. Um, I don't miss, I mean, my commute every day. Uh, back and forth was 90 minutes each way during rush hour uh, to go 15 miles. I'm sorry, 22 miles. Uh, and you just kind of got used to it and it, it, it you just did what you did. But now, and I tell people here in the Midwest that and they just are, are astonished. And now I'm like, you know, to, to drive 30 minutes someplace, I'm like, oh my God, this is too far. I'm just not going to do it. Or, or there's going to be traffic. And the traffic here, I like to make the joke and I'm obnoxious. You know, the traffic here is cute. Like when I hear people complain about like, there's going to be traffic. I'm like, oh, you really don't understand. Oh, but anyway, oh. I do have <laughs> to ask though. Batman, right? When when he's like, you know, you, you think that you know the darkness. You know, I was raised in the darkness. You know, when, <laughs> when is, I, was like, I was born in traffic. You visited traffic. You don't know what it's like. I was born there. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, you know, I, you know, grew up like, in high school, when I used to go skateboarding with my friends in high school, when we had, I remember I was just telling somebody uh, the other day, it was $3.32 to take the number 47 bus into New York City, and we go skateboarding for the day. And it would take us pretty much all of 90 minutes to get into the city, even though it was only 20 miles. And uh, I've been doing that since I was 17 years old. So I, you're right, I was born I'm born in the dark. <laughs> I was born in it. It's like, this is nothing. You, you, don't, you don't really know. And I used to send, I used to come back here from Austin, you know, every year for Thanksgiving to see my kids. And then I'd always just do a snapshot of the, of the Google map, right? And you just see literally a thousand miles in various directions yeah. of 
traffic. It's all just giant red. red. And I'd send it back to my friends in Austin and go, yeah, it's really cute. You complain about the one in Austin all the time. It's like, it's like okay, come on, man. It's like, this come is, on, this man. is what it's really about. This is, you know, I think Houston has, has some areas that can compete with yeah. uh, LA, but the rest of it was, you know, not existed. So. I have to ask though, with, uh, you know, the pandemic now, um, traffic wise, is it is it kind of back to the same or still a little lighter? Or, you know, you have you not left the house. Yeah, man, it's it, it's like you know, I actually don't I have haven't been out much. Yeah, um, you know, I'll, I'll run some errands or I'm on my bike a lot. Yeah, so I do that. But overall, um, my occasional trips into LA and all that traffic is still significantly lighter. The right. first four weeks, uh, I I was still finishing up like one task that I had up in LA. So I went there a few times and what was taking me two hours before at the exact same time anyone else was taking me 20 minutes. <laughs> it was just like, I don't even know what to do. I'm so early. I don't know what to do with myself. It was really creepy, you know, yeah, just like, it was like a bad movie about the zombie apocalypse, right? Yeah. It was LA and it was never as, as people kept sharing these photos of the freeway being completely under like, that never happened. That was all, you know, doctored right. up. Yeah. But it was still incredibly light, like I've never seen. But even now, um, I've had a few times I'm running some errands, you know, Home Depot or something and come back at five, six o'clock. And it's still, you know, a couple minutes at most added right. to my time. I haven't sat in any significant traffic in so long. I'm kind of scared of driving it again. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah. Been, now it's I'm been like, kind of nice. What's everybody slowing down for? It's like, right, right, right. So, um, for those of you who don't know Frank, Frank is a wedding portrait photographer, also does a lot of filmmaking, um, and uh, you've been at it a while. Tell us a little bit about your career a little bit. Mm, uh, well, see, I started off, uh, I actually started in photography when I was seven, well, no, actually, would have been 15, ninth grade. Okay, so, so that's been a few uh, years. Yeah, a few years. So it's like, you know, it's like 75, I guess it was. I took my first photography class in high school. And, you know, back then when schools could actually do that. Yeah. It was like spectacular. We got, uh, we literally got uh, two sheets of five by seven negative uh -huh. to shoot with every week. And so, you know, um, that's how I learned photography was from, from there. I learned film, of course. That's all we had. So, uh -huh. um, and you learn to be really selective. So that was a, you know, a, I think a real blessing is that, yeah. you know, film gave you that um, less prey and prey, you know, spray and spray, spray type prey. of phenomenon, you know, it's much more of a focused and you really, you know, do I really want to shoot this? Maybe I should adjust my angle a little bit and do all that. Um, and I continued to shoot photography for a long time. I shot a couple weddings when I was like early 20s uh -huh. and then, you know, life took me in other directions, but I never stopped shooting. Right. And then uh, my wife, uh, when we were going through dealing with her brain tumor, right. uh, I I found that I, I took the camera with me every day. And so I was still working as a personal trainer at the time. And I took my camera with me every day and I would stop somewhere. And it didn't matter what it was. And, and none of the photos were anything spectacular. I wasn't working on the photography. It was more being in focus with life and the beauty that it was still there. I was still surrounded by the beauty of life. And when you're going through something like that, it's easy to miss it. It's easy yeah. for that to slip away and become really dark. And so it didn't matter. Like a picture of a flower, a lizard, a landscape, it mm. just didn't matter. But every day I'd stop for some it was therapy for you. Know, yeah, it was, it was definitely that. It was like 15, 20 minutes, whatever. Uh -huh. um, every day I shot something. And then um, my oldest, uh, she currently, at the time she didn't, but she currently has a degree uh, from in curatorial studies. So she worked to be a curator and got a master's degree in that. Huh. And so um, when my wife passed away, uh, she was very much, you know, dad, if you don't start publishing your work or doing something with it, I'm going to. And she kind of pushed me and, and I gradually started doing some meetups and some meeting groups and things like that. And uh, just kind of, you know, spending time, you know, looking for, for outlets to do that. And I had basically promised my wife, um, we had a six year battle. And yeah. so in that time frame, she was always really clear. It's like, you know, I, you need to move forward. You know, don't don't be caught in this. The only way that she could deal with me doing everything I did in relationship to her was knowing that I would go forward. Right. And so photography was a new path. Yeah. It was a new way and, and, and an old path at the same time, but it was a way for me to uh, stay in touch with that. And from there, just 
serendipitous, you know, various people that I met along the way, people I met through Facebook, various groups, um, and then, you know, uh, going to conferences, yeah. you know, meet, yeah, meeting people and, and, and doing that and just working on the craft. Um, I already had the technical knowledge, you know, I'd learned that from, I went to school, but not only, you know, in high school, but in college as well. So technically I already knew the craft quite well, but it was a chance to learn to be more creative, a chance to, um, learn the business, um, and a chance to be in a community, right. which I right. as a personal trainer, you don't really have that much. It's more of an isolated experience. Yeah. And, uh, I was fortunate that even though California's got a bad rep as being, um, you know, self-serving and, and, and cutthroat. Actually, it's been the exact opposite in my experience. Mm. California photography community and video community, whatever, is extremely supportive of each other. We second shoot for one another. We support one another. We, we will assist, you know, I'm in a heartbeat. Someone calls me up and says, Hey, could you come hold, you know, come hold a reflector for me? I'm there. Yeah. You are. I don't kind of a, you know, well, I know you're talking to or you know, like, <laughs> something we got to get that attitude or, you know, where did you shoot this? Like when I was in Austin, I'd ask a simple question. Hey, man, where's that tunnel? And the person's like, uh, I don't remember. Right. Okay, so you're holding some great secret of this. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to find the tunnel either way. But what are you accomplishing by not sharing that type of information? Um, so I find here, for the most part at least, especially those people in, in the wedding industry, yeah. uh, we're all really supportive of one another. We're competition, of course, on some yeah. level. But we support each other. So if someone needs to learn how to do something or they want a piece of advice on equipment, I don't go, you know, you go figure it out. Right. You know, I spent a lot of years researching equipment and, sure. and figuring out what lighting I wanted to use and how I wanted to use it and what worked best for me. If someone asks, I tell them, I don't get it. I don't get the people who don't. It's just kind of yeah. like, you know. Um, but I understand like people work really hard to get their knowledge and their experience. So I don't necessarily have a lot of judgment around those who don't mm -hmm. because they earned it and they have the right to say no. I mean, that's the purpose of a question, right? Is to get an answer. If the answer is no, that's okay. So I don't have a problem with someone saying no. I don't happen to say no very often. Um, but I mean, I, I, I respect the fact that a lot of people say like, well, have you done the work? Have you tried at least? So I understand some of the older, the older, uh, more established photographers mm -hmm. will sometimes be a little bit harder on people coming in for that. You know, like, Let's unpack that a little bit. So like, you, and I'm glad that you brought this up because you um, are definitely such a great, uh, you're, you're just a great person in our community. And you, you, I admire your positive attitude, considering some of the bumps in the road that you've had and things that you've had to deal with and, you know, very adult things. And um, you are always the person at the conference who's hanging out and is part of the conversation and, uh, you know, um, is an active part of the community, willing to help when you have an answer to something. And I've always admired that, that positive attitude. I see you out there shooting with some of my best friends and, and, and vice versa. And, um, you know, when you, when you, you know, join a community, you become part of a community, you got to put yourself out there, right? Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, it can be really, you know, and, and as myself, as somebody like, you know, I always wanted at WPPI to be that smiling face and always look for that one confused person in the, in the crowd because I was that person, right? And it's, it's, if you're an introvert, which I'm not, um, it's really easy for me to go up to a lot of people. And I think you're similar in that sense as well. Mm -hmm. But uh, is there any advice you could offer? Because you've moved around a lot too. So like, you know, what advice can you offer to, to somebody who's, you know, going to a new community or, or wants to be part of something? You know, I, the biggest thing for me was like, I can remember Doug PPI, probably the first year, it was the first year I was there and uh, I was going along and I talked to somebody, we're going up an escalator and, you know, some of those escalators there are like really long and take forever to go up and there's people everywhere. Yeah. You're, you're warned by photographers everywhere. At that time it was huge. So this was probably six, seven years ago. And so the numbers were really, really large yeah. and just, and I was talking to someone at random. So how are you? You know, I like, saw that they were a photographer. They had their badge and I was like, how you doing? Where are you from? And we're just kind of generally chatting. Well, I'm a little nervous and I'm doing all this kind of stuff. And I saw some people coming down and said, 
and I forget the person's name. We'll say Becky for sake of argument. And then I saw some guy because his badge. His name was John, you know, whatever the names were. And I said, "Hey, John," as he's coming down the escalator. This is Becky. Becky, this is John. <laughs> they go, "Oh, hi, hi, hi." And she goes, "Oh, do you know him?" I said, "No, I don't know him. I just, I just saw his name tag." And she started laughing. It's like, "Well, how do you do that?" It's like, the one thing I know is that we're all here for the same reason. Yeah. We have one thing in common, at yeah. least one thing. We're all photographers. And if we're here, the second thing is we're probably here trying to learn something. So I have two things in common with you already. Yeah. And so, therefore, there's nothing to be weird about it. It's like if you're in an elevator and you don't know anybody and you've got, you know, 20 different potential industries, everything else, people who are more introverted or more neutral – you know, they're just going to look at the numbers. That's what we're taught to do, right? It's like, right. what floor am I on? I'm waiting for 13, man. Or is it coming, right? And you just sit there and you sit there. But if everyone in the elevator is in the same industry, you, you already have a common link. Yeah, There's something yeah. to reach out to. And that creates a sense of, uh, for me at least, a sense of, of tribe. Right. And understanding that. And if you, if you constantly look at everyone as um, competition or... Uh, predator and prey type mentality is this person going to get me am i good enough to talk to that person you know like i you know on a side note i just had a conversation the other day um with photographer and and he's become a good friend and and we've actually he says you know he's never talked to me in person he's seen me for like five years and i think was at shutterfest right and he's seen me for like five years but he says he's never had the nerve to talk to me i'm like huh he's like well you're kind of like a rock star i'm like Okay, first of all, I'm no close to a rock star. That's hilarious. <laughs> it's like, you know, I how many don't even know me, but oh, what? It's like, I, I don't, it was like, there are just people, and, and I had to realize is that there are people who are more introverted and who yeah. are um, more concerned about, you know, where do they fit in? Yeah. And some of that is that, I think some of it is just that when I was, when I was in, I realize that every industry has their rock stars to use sure. as frame. Every industry has those people. You're just like, okay, you know, uh, you know, our, our mutual friend Jerry Gionis, right? Uh-huh. In our industry, Jerry's a big deal. Yeah, you know, we all look up to Jerry. We all see Jerry doing stuff, and you know, it doesn't help. He's got a beautiful wife, you know, so it's a whole bit. She's the best. And <laughs> she's awesome, right? She's yeah. great. And, and Jerry's fantastic. His work's fantastic. He's such a great human, right? And somebody that I really relate to and and, and care for a lot. And but the truth of the matter is, if Jerry and I walk into a fitness industry event, no one's going to know Jerry from Adam. Yeah, they're going to know me. They're, I'm going to be the rock star. As right. I used to be. Once upon a time, I was a rock star in that industry. And there was a time at which my business, I was, I was the guy. I mean, literally, we did so many films in Hollywood, and, and me and my company, we we were the guys that everyone went to. We did Terminator 2, Batman, so we did so many, it was ridiculous. Uh-huh. But when I left the gym, and I went to the grocery store, yeah, it just doesn't matter. Right. No one cares. And so you start to learn that there are very few people in this world who are truly rock stars. Right. You're a rock star in your industry. And so because of that, Maybe that instilled that when I was training, you know, I, I remember I, I trained Jerry Seinfeld for a number of years and people used to say to me stuff like, you know, oh, wow, you know, Jerry's a big star. I was like, yeah. And I, I didn't have idol worship for him. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's growing up in Southern California or something. Yeah. I don't really know where that came from for me because I grew up really poor right. and didn't have exposure to that. But I didn't have that sense of of worship or that kind of thing i could just relate to it's like okay so i think for some people um they look at someone coming they come into photography right and we come from so many different backgrounds photography is probably the most varied thing i've ever seen anywhere that i'm aware of in terms of people's backgrounds right and they automatically sort of see the the idol worship things and they they just fall right in Mm -hmm. and then it's like the old adage of, you know, we put our shoes on a particular way. We're all the same on that. Um, but for some people, that's really a struggle. Yeah. And I, um, you know, re- when you go to conferences or you go to places where you're going to have that common goal in particular. Right. Uh, or, you know, to let your guard down, to to reach out a little bit. Um, I've seen, if I've seen people at a, at a conference sitting by themselves, I've gone over and sat down, you know, I bring my soda over. How you doing? 
and just I've seen it. I've seen you do it. Yeah, it's just one of those things for me. It's like I I I I love the energy. I love the connection. I love teaching. I love you know sharing that experience you know with others. And you know, as you know, we've seen people come in. They've been here for five minutes and start creating some incredible work. Right. So I'm not going to sit there and judge someone because mm-hmm. they don't know something that I know in terms of a technique or something, or, or they haven't learned it yet, or they're, they're still doing that. And now I look at their work and go, wow, you know, yeah, I could pick some things apart if I wanted to be a complete jerk about it. But the reality <laughs> is, wow, you have an incredible eye. Mm-hmm. You, and so I try to say, you know what, this industry can, can eat you up pretty quickly um, uh, and be brutal. Yeah. So overall, you know, in terms of advice, is just just go to conferences when we can again. <laughs> or, so that's what, my next question is: is that uh, you know, I think things are going to open up next year eventually, if if we get this vaccine and it's successful and and we move forward. Um, but I I've been asking a lot of people. I really feel like you know, conferences in general are going to take several years to really come back. I think so. And, um, you know, what does that mean for our industry? You know, what, what, you know, I mean, we all know, I mean, Shutterfest will, you know, if it, if it happens this year, you know, will be, uh, it's a very, very engaged crowd, but it's one of the few that really has the kind of um, community built in, and even even the bigger ones, I think, are going to really struggle. So, do you think it's just going to come back? We just got to wait for it, or do you see a shift? I just I was talking to Neil and Neekirk uh, earlier today, you know, and I asked him if there was like any. I mean, you've seen the shift, the pivots in our industry. Things change. Is there anything that you've marked down that you said to yourself, "This is going to be different"? And I I think one of the big things is going to be different. Um, it'd be a little bit controversial, I guess, but I am who I am. Um, I think a lot of people who who did a great job over the years of presenting a facade, uh-huh. of creating a a cultivated image of who they were, so that they could sell things to the photography community. Yeah, and get especially newer people to come in and sign on and make that extra money from that part of the industry, right? Um, a lot of people have, have really engaged in some controversial subjects in a very negative way and have revealed themselves. They've pulled back the veil yeah. and in so doing the wizard's not so charming. <laughs> uh, um, and I've seen a lot of people in the industry that I know, uh, really separate themselves from that. And they're kind of like, man, it's, I've heard a lot of people basically say it's a good thing we're not having conferences right now. Yeah. Because the feature, the main feature of the conference might be fistfight or two, yeah. that becomes so belligerent, yeah. um, and and with that, and they didn't do that before. Right. Before they get away with just sort of the smile and whatever you do, never talk about politics, never talk about those things because it's bad for business. Okay, um, here not only have people talked about it, and I think it's important. I'm I'm more of a uh, speak my mind. Mm-hmm. I'm much more of a um, stand for something so that you don't fall for anything kind of right. mentality. Yeah, I'm a little older, so yeah. that's kind of mindset of mine is just one of of uh, I'll stand up against anything I see as an injustice that's against anyone. You know, yeah. whether it's whether it's racial, whether it's uh, gender, whatever, it doesn't matter. I'm going to stand for that that underdog always, yeah. and just who I am. Um, and I think that's important. At the same time. Uh, I've seen people from the, the kind of the hate based in fear, of course, but the hate yeah. has just been thrown to the side. And yeah. then with keyboard warriors, right? I mean, I, I know for a fact, a lot of these people who are making, making statements about, you know, they would, I wish they'd start shooting people or I would do this or I would do that, you know, and, and they're part of our industry. Yeah. That's been very disappointing. Yeah. That's been heartbreaking, you know, actually the better word for it you know i if i drop my anger for a moment i drop my own bravado and just realize like how disappointed i am in that how uh just hurt i feel in relationship to it and i'm trying not to respond with anger but that's hard right now 
everything that's surrounding us, we're drawn into it. But ultimately, it's like I realize it's all ultimately fear-based. We're, we're afraid of, of something being taken away from us. Sure. And that makes it harder to be inclusive. You know, and, and that, I think, has stimulated a lot of this. But boy, uh, I don't know how that's going to impact the, the rebound. I don't know how that's going to impact conferences. Okay. Where before, I went in with a sense of, you're my friend till you prove otherwise. I've right. always been that way. Right. And now, a lot of people have proven otherwise. Yes. <laughs> I don't really know what to do with that. Yes. I'm looking for advice, man. I'm looking yes, for a way to do right. that myself. And you're right, this has been a really hard year. And I I never really thought about that part of it where, I mean, it's been a very polarizing year with the election, the coronavirus, and uh, a lot of, you're right, a lot of, a lot of people who have been pinnacles of our industry uh, have revealed themselves in ways that we never expected. And I think that politics was always something that had been left to private conversations during photo conferences and stuff like that. But since we've spent this year engaging in, in our little communities, either on Facebook or, or, you know, whatever groups that we're part of, just like the rest of our country, uh, it's become the family Thanksgiving dinner table where you've got uncle Harry over there spouting some really nasty politics or bad things and then you 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 know you could have a table split where you know everyone leaves screaming at the end of the at the end of the dinner um if the rules hadn't been set before you got there that no one's allowed to speak politics right and exactly. now we're all going to be coming back to and and you know i did definitely think there's been some falls from grace um and the ones who have stood for something have polarized their group of people and and then there's a whole other group of people who have you know People that I've, and I have to say, there's definitely been people that I've idolized over the years who have been very giving people, who have been very, um, uh, uh, have formed everything who I am as a photographer and, and people who I just admired. And, uh, it's been really sad watching, you know, them talk about, you know, horrible conspiracy theories. And, and I don't want to get into, you know, I don't care who you voted for. I got to be honest with you. Like, I, I do. I take that back. I do care who you voted for, but um, I respect your decision and I'm disappointed in if you didn't make the right decision. But um, in, in my opinion, but it's when it's gotten to, you know, them just the ugliness it has been made me very, very sad. And listen, I grew up as a punk rocker, you know, like I grew up on the dead Kennedys, you know, like, you know, like there was nothing more ugly than that, you know, and this has been uglier than that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I I grew up, uh, it's kind of weird. Like I I grew up in an all black community. um, And so most of my life has been in a different community than, than, what people think yeah so when you meet me you know often when especially i was living in texas um there would be an assumption of we must think the same way right and i had a lot of conversations about you know racial issues um in particular uh when i was living in texas and what was funny was that i had some of the best conversations of my life with people who i just couldn't disagree with more yeah but we were able i was able to say okay you're not gonna believe this but i don't share your view and here's why and on politics, when we, you meet people at a camera shop and just gradually start talking. Next yeah. thing you know, they're saying something and I'm calling them out on it. But there was a way in person, and there is a way in person to have these conversations. In person, I think that we can understand people a little bit better. And also, we're less driven by the negative, I think. Yeah. You know, it's like, I respect you. If you say something that I disagree with and we're face to face, I can call you out on it in a way that you know I'm coming from a place of respect when I call you out on it. Yeah. If we're in a chat and there's 10 other people, when I call you out, it may or may not come that way. And other people might jump in as well because they're not able to hear you know, what you're saying, where you're coming from. Yeah. And so in dealing with those issues, um, one of the things you've witnessed for me, for instance, is like you know, Shutterfest and, and WPPI is that people are always like, how come you always wind up with, with particular groups, right? So. Yeah. If you notice, if you go to any conference, one of the things that you'll find is that 
in general, and this is a generalization, so take it for what it's worth, but in general, what you find is like black community herd together. Yeah. And so it's like the upside is there is a sense of family, sure. a sense of support that comes with that. And that's why people do that in general, right? Yeah. So the downside is it limits your access. Right. even an conference to other people. So anytime that I've, I've been in those environments, A, that's a community that I'm from, so I'm drawn towards that anyway. Yeah. But what happens is it, it breaks that down. We wind up having these really incredible conversations and sharing with one another and up late at night having drinks with a group of people that, that are very diverse because we've broken through that barrier. And that's something about um, conferences and in person that I think if we get back to being in person, we can have those conversations and we can get back to learning how to disagree, but disagree from a place of respect. Now, I'm not, you know, let me be honest. I, I'm, I don't have respect for uh, homophobia. I don't, sure. I can have for someone who says they don't understand it. I can have respect for someone who says that they don't understand a particular racial issue because they've never had to deal with it. I had a great conversation with, uh, I won't mention his name, but with a mutual photographer um, that had acknowledged that part of his reason for some of his statements that were quite negative and came off quite, like threw me off entirely, was that he realized never really been around anyone who wasn't white. Okay, yeah. So we've we've actually talked about this a little bit, and that's something that I just, I've, I've, I've you know, um, kind of dealt with here in St. Louis that has been an interesting thing for me is that you know I grew up in uh, culturally diverse neighborhoods I I I I came from very atypical middle class families but you know being in the New York tri-state area there was you know Puerto Rican people black people uh, all kinds of hispanic people um just everybody you know in, in classrooms and work and and everywhere so, you know, again, the melting pot of New York, you know, the, that old, you know, blah, 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 even though, you know, cultures and neighborhoods all kind of were in different spots, but it was access to it. You were around it. You were, you were there. Here in St. Louis, it's not like that at all. And I never really experienced that before. And, and I think the thing was that like most of the people that I've met, and I'm, I'm not, I don't really want to get hard into this, but like, you know, the friends that I've met, like most of them have never had a black friend or a Puerto Rican friend or a Hispanic friend, or they don't even know a black person, you know? Right. And so like, it, it just would make me really sad that like, you know, all the racial tensions here in St. Louis, which is really bad, um, is based, I think, a lot just on the access and not knowing other people. And and like you said, you grew up in a, in, in, in a diverse neighborhood and and so, you know, all of that seems to be kind of under this microscope this year, more than ever that I've ever seen. And I think a lot of good is going to come out of this as, I mean, as good as it could be, I guess, as we saw out of, you know, if there was any movement forward in the riots that have happened over the years. Um, hopefully, you know, the the we're less tolerant than we ever have been. It's the 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 fuse is shorter and i think it's going to stay that way and that's just the way it's it's going to be and um you know unfortunately our community is is the same so um let's change the subject a little bit um uh, as far as like you know work that you're doing now and things are starting to open back up again um you know what do you what do you find yourself doing most these days in the photo world man right now i i've hardly done anything it's yeah. like we're back on a significant lockdown again here in Southern California. Oh, wow. We had major spikes going on. And uh -huh. so uh, we're back to, to the color purple status here, which is our highest negative status. Um, so that means uh, LA in particular just shut down out, outdoor dining again. Yeah. Uh, here in Orange County, we still have outdoor dining, but they're shutting down indoor dining. My gym is shut down. Uh, oh, boy, that's bad. Uh, yeah. Bad yeah, for Frank. That's bad for Frank, man. That's bad for, <laughs> bad for my spirit. So I'm trying to figure some stuff out with that. I've uh, done a little bit of, of uh, uh, assisting, you know, you know, with our buddy Ning Wong, right? Yeah. Uh, done, done a couple of things with him, just little small jobs here and there. Um, and just mostly just trying to get through it. 
I mean, yeah. honestly, there's just there's not a lot there. The last year at this time, I was working geez, 10, 12 hour days, uh, wow. sometimes longer, trying to catch up. I was doing a lot of video work at the time, had yeah. a lot of uh, those jobs. Those are all on lockdown as well. Uh, so right now, it's more um, very little, you know, very little yeah. going on in terms of the photo or, or video world. Uh, it's keeping my sanity. Working yeah. on, you know, writing more, trying to take care of myself physically, yeah. take care of the kids, dealing with there's, you know, they've got school. They're yeah. they're both uh, here every day as well, oh, so it's kind of. Uh, and they're both in college, right? Uh, no, no, th- these are uh, Michelle's kids, so they're they're both um, in high school at this oh, point. Okay. Um, so uh, fifteen and seventeen, so oh, it's just okay. like. Oh, senior right. high school virtual. That is just terrible. And I, I'm i glad my kids are only in middle school now, you know, but the high school kids, I just feel terrible. And, and we have some in-person currently, although I don't think they're going back after Thanksgiving, but we'll see. Same, yeah. same lockdown, same lockdown. But um, I know that you've been doing a lot with live streaming and... I don't know if you were with Ning on the last shoot that I saw that he was doing some live streaming stuff. Um, you've gained some experience in doing that. Uh, you know, do you see a, a real future there for for for, for filmmakers and and in getting yeah. into that a little bit more? Yeah, I, I think that you know, I, I think someone's going to depend on how quickly the world gets back to semi-normal. Yeah. You know, almost coming for a long time, uh-huh. but semi-normal maybe could come quickly, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I think that as companies realize more and more, even smaller companies realize more and more that we, we got a long road. Yeah. They're going to be more open to uh, other solutions for the yeah. longest time. Like, let's just rehash it. Like you saw, you saw even big corporations, uh, getting one piece of footage and sharing it amongst themselves, right? How many things like, look like the exact same commercials, like t- three different companies were using that that thing. Now, I think the industry is trying to figure out, I mean, the entire entertainment industry as well, is trying to figure out how do we do this? Where do we go? Sure. So I think, I think streaming has huge potentials. Yeah. I think that's probably, um, probably the biggest current growth market would be. Okay. That was my question, yeah. I, I'm seeing people... Especially, there's still so many different diverse potential solutions, some that seem to be working, and then you get there, but they're dealing with Wi-Fi, and now you've got other issues with that, and we can tie this into 5G. Maybe we can tie this into, you know, we have to have something that's hardwired, various splitters, various companies who are trying to produce. Blackmagic has a box that they're using. Um, A couple other companies are doing uh, various streaming protocols are trying to come out with, and I'm certain a whole bunch are going to be coming out yeah. down the line, but none of them share a protocol. Right. None of them are compatible with each other. Everybody's right. going to do their own thing. And so it's kind of like the old VHS versus beta, you know, how's this going to shake out? Yeah. Uh, that's part of the challenge, I think, now is where do you invest? Mm-hmm. If you're looking to do, you know, more streaming and do more of that kind of thing. How do we invest in that? Those are big questions we have to ask in the video industry in particular. Yeah. But um, I think that a lot of places are going to be looking more towards how can we stream and how can we do that with a little more quality. Right. You know, a lot have been doing it with kind of the iPhone setup. Yeah. Just kind of you know, hold their hand, you know, almost selfie mode kind of kind of things. But I think there there is opportunity to make that grow. You know, no, I think I think you hit on a good point where I think it, it definitely you know all these companies are coming out with their own proprietary uh, devices and softwares and you know this and that, but it's still very much wild west in the sense that like I'm trying to think of an example of like remember when DSLRs first started shooting video, um, you basically had the Canon 5D Mark II and. Um, but then there was no tools to attach it to anything. So you could create this great video, but there was no way to attach it to a monitor. Then remember the audio, and then you had what was it? What was the name of the Magic Lantern came out with, which still has software. Like that's where we're at. We're in the Magic Lantern era of live streaming. So, like, 
Yeah. Yep. So you could download this 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 the software to put into your CF card. Had to go on all of your CF cards, but it was really just like putting a giant piece of masking tape on a broken, you know, a broken basketball or something like that, like with a hole in it. And that's that's where we're at. And, I, and I'm very very. That was a great analogy. <laughs> Absolutely perfect. Um, so I'm I'm curious, like you know, like and and, and I haven't. Everyone that I've been at, I interviewed Charles King a few weeks ago and, um, and I talked to Neil and I talked to somebody else who was also doing live streaming and, um, they definitely, you know, um, there doesn't seem to be a lot like if I decided tomorrow, I just want to open up a live streaming studio, which I think if you could, you could develop a business like Charles is developing right now, that's a real viable future if you're young you know, person or getting started. Like if I had a choice, somebody said to me, go photography or go live streaming, I would do live streaming um, because I feel like it is such wild west right now. But I don't know where to go if I want to learn how to do this stuff right now. There's no place it, to go. No, there's there's no, and there's no, everyone wants to, um, I think certain companies are trying to come out with, you know, here's a package. Right. right. And yeah, that, streaming and in a box. Consumers yeah. looking for yeah. Like even if you're even if you're a photographer with 50 years experience and you're like the greatest thing that there's ever been, this is a whole different world. And yeah. you're like, how to bring this skill set into this realm? Right. And even if I do, will it matter? Right. It's kind of of you know what what's acceptable now. Like right now, it's like even if you're looking at at national television, right? Um, advertising and and the commercials we're seeing being done. Are just horrible. They're awful. It's it, it just for the most part. Yeah. It's like and a few good ones here and there, but the production values are really low. No one. But then people are reevaluating. Does anyone really care? And nope. I think that's the big, the big threat we have right now is to our industry is is if the industry reaches a point to where um, the consumer doesn't care, they just need how much is it? Yeah, and that will definitely have a negative impact on the creative industry because creative industry. You know, that, that's what we bring. What we right. bring is storytelling. Whether we're photographers right. or video people, we bring storytelling. We bring this thing to life. We yeah. bring the magic. And if the magic is lost, my concern then becomes how do we recreate that magic? How do we recreate that spark, right? It's been a problem in photography for a while. Yeah. Um, once upon a time, we saw that with photography, we – you know, you had to, there was such a learning curve and to get into the equipment and the tools, it took so much, right? And then, you still there? Yeah, yeah, sorry, my camera shuts off. Speaking <laughs> of, of proprietary, <laughs> every every 15 minutes it, it shuts off. Yeah. Um, so as, 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 a perfect example of, of, of how do we get to those points, right? But the, the, as the industry goes, how do we stimulate that? Yeah. Because we had, it used to be, right, it was very expensive yeah. to buy, buy into a camera. I mean, you talk about adjusted dollars, but yeah. my first professional camera was a Canon F1, and it cost me $1,200 in 1980. Yeah. Okay, that's a $35,000 camera when you adjust for inflation today. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's like, okay, well, no one would be buying it at 35000 yeah. That wouldn't happen, right? And so as the, as the technology changed, you know, we, we all love to say that you know, it's not about the camera. Medium and above, I think that's true. Yeah. But in all honesty, the average consumer can take an iPhone and get a pretty decent yeah. photo. Yeah. Now, if you want more than decent, you're going to need to learn photography. Yeah. You can't rely on the equipment. But the old days of, you know, here, I'll just hand you my camera, see what you can do. Yeah. Well, I'll just hand you my phone, see what you can do. Yeah. That has changed things and, and has diminished the average for, yep. the, for the, the photography, video industry, image industry, right? Yeah. Um, and so we have to find a way as an industry to address that as these new technologies come into play and as we need them and accept they're a part of our lives. Yeah. You know, Zoom is currently, you know, like the, the big, the big, uh, everyone falls to it thing, right? They, yeah. they fell yeah. in at the right place at the right time. Yeah. But we can all look at it and go, Zoom's not the end game. Right. 
they got all kinds of problems. Right. Where is that going to go? And it'll just come down to, is it good enough or is it a need? Right. So I think that we're on, on the verge of that. But, you know, if, if the next six months go really well from the science community and next summer, you know, we're, we're 70% back on track of what we consider normal life, that could just as quickly go away. Yeah. It's, it's certainly possible that well, people just go, man. Yeah. <laughs> that's 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 what I'm hoping for and and you know things kind of ramp back up but I think the problem is is that and I think we need to wrap it up here we're oh, 15 minutes over but um uh you know I think that's the point where you know we 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 I, I'm hoping things but it's the, the as soon as like the next like uh C20 comes out instead of C- corona coronavirus 19 or whatever COVID 19 you know all of a sudden you know i think people are going to be very gun shy this time and that's why you know i really i worry about community as a whole for the photo community um and you know where does the next generation of photographers come from where does you know i miss being with my friends i miss miss all of that and and then time will tell. So anyway, thank you for your for your insights, and I, I, I would love to keep talking. We'll have to do, we'll have to do a follow up episode in a few months that to see good. if our if our prophecies are, uh, are are real as two old guys. Well, one, we let probably... me give one piece of encouragement. Yeah, one piece of encouragement, real quickly, and that I'll is take it. If you look back in history, every single time that this nation and, and pretty much the world has gone through these desperate times, world wars, depressions, all these things come, when they've come out, they've celebrated like almost no other times. People have done more events. People have done bigger parties. People have done bigger social gatherings. And I think that this will be the same. I think when we come out of this, there'll be, a, there'll be even more weddings. There'll be even more events that need to be covered. And event photography, event video will become an even bigger deal. Right now, it's destroyed, right? It's, it's flattened. And if you can survive and get through it, find ways to get you there. History tells us that when we come out of these things, the roaring 20s, right? We had these times that came through where, where people just were so ecstatic and aware of being alive and appreciative of being alive. I'm holding on to that that's going to happen again. It's human nature. We crave it. And if given the opportunity to do the right thing and in that environment, I think we will. And I think we'll want to celebrate it. That is really fucking wise. I love it. <laughs> I love that. And I agree with you more than I could ever agree with anybody in the world right now. <laughs> Thank you, Frank. Of course, man. Thank Anytime. you so much. All right. We're going to wrap up here on this week's episode of Something New Every Week. As Frank has called it, the world is going to open back up again and we're going to party again. I promise. I agree with him 100%. So thanks again for being on this week's episode of Something New Every Week again, Frank. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode of Something New Every Week. We hope you learned something new this week and want to once again thank our sponsor, Miller's Lab. Make sure to check out the show notes for links to all the cool stuff we've talked about. And a quick reminder, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast by hitting that subscribe now button. See you next week on Something New Every Week.